When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This week in League, the director of Two Girls, One Cup sues the makers of Tiger Town for directly ripping off his plot. Out of favour, Bronco to change his surname to Guilford as he looks to entice Uncle Wayne to bring him to South. Post-origin scans confirm what we've suspected for years. Mitch Moses is spineless. Plus, we look ahead to all the action for Round 19 of the 2021 NRL season. All that more this week in League. Welcome to episode 418 of This Week in League. I'm Matt. And I'm Jay. And I am Glenn. Now I want to start off and say, who of the three of us do you think hasn't watched Wild West's Tales from Tiger Town? <laughs> Let me start with another question, though. Who of the three of us do you think should be the first one to watch Wild West's Tales from Tiger Town. You. The first person who should be watching it is the is the fucking West Tigers fan amongst amongst us in this group. That's the first one. The person who I would least suspect to have not watched it. You. That is Glenn, eh? That is true. It's very disappointing. That, well, I mean, it's it's practically like disappointment, your disappointment. Basically, it's because... it's practically like your job to be well, to be to be watching this. Not only for your, your your fandom that you've you know, mistakenly dedicated decades of your fucking life to, but also because you knew you knew damn well that we'd be talking about that shit. Yeah, so I figure I'd let you cunts talk about it. I tell well, you. See, you know what you've done. What have I done? Congratulations, you've played yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't seen it either. <laughs> so what you've done by not watching it is give the other cunt free reign to talk about it uninterrupted. Oh, I've seen enough screenshots. I've seen enough sound bites. And no, you haven't. heard enough sound bites. I've seen the tweets. I've seen the Facebook posts. It's enough to make me definitely not want to watch it, but I will get around to watching it. I don't... Like, honestly, if you're a rugby league fan... No matter who you support, if you don't watch it, you just you're not a fucking rugby league fan. When when the the programming that we get on television outside of game telecasts is just fuckheads sitting around tables arguing. This is a fucking a direction. Like, I mean, I've been saying for years, you know, we'd love to see like a hard knock style sort of program for for the um, NRL, and this isn't quite that level. Like the production isn't that isn't that high level, but the content is kind of you know very similar it starts a little bit later in the season like it pretty much picks up you know mostly yeah. like right before right on the first game like before the first game of the season but it doesn't take trial. you through it well it doesn't take you no no i wish the trial had been there because then it starts off on a bang and like hope for the club and it puts you in this you know 
the season was filled with promise sort of mindset. And I mean, obviously coming out halfway through a season where it's obviously all filmed at this point, like the hard, like hard knocks is a five week show that comes out across the preseason and it comes out week on week through the preseason. So the first episodes there at the end of the first week. So like you know, HBO are doing the filming and busting out the production and getting it out there. So it's in a timely fashion. And then the last episode comes out before the season starts. This however is obviously, you know, they've filmed, I'm not sure. How, I'm not sure what period of time this this gonna it's going to cover. The first episode covers um, the first four games, so yep. you can. I, can I just say I resent the fact that you say that if you're not a rugby league fan, if you don't watch it, I would put to you <laughs> that I am a fan of physical activities with members of the opposite sex. But there are some fucking links on Pornhub even I won't click on. <laughs> okay, now listen, if you're going to use that as an example, don't fucking lie. There's nothing on Pornhub that you wouldn't click and you fucking know it and I know it. So oh, no, there is. 100% there is. 100% there is. Uh, but one thing I don't get, and again, I'm only hearing this from... Oh, sorry, I'm only thinking this from hearing what other people have thought of it. Yeah. I don't understand the meta... I don't understand the meta. And I've seen this comment echoed dozens of times across our social media groups, across other uh, places on social media, even chatting with people about it. You would normally have in these situations that the, whatever it is, the club, the player, whoever, mm-hmm. there, is an, there is a positive end somewhere. You know? Yeah. Now, be that you know winning something or or achieving something, or you know even the uh, the club hasn't been to the finals for how many years is it, Glenn? A lot. Okay. Ten. So if, even if it was that that they made the finals for the ten first time, years. It's, you know it's ten years that issue. that is a documentary worthy achievement. So they yeah, did all of I this. They did this, I- and they did this thing that hasn't happened for fucking ages. But for this to already be done and dusted, where the only possible outcome is they are yet again languishing at the bottom of the competition. Towards the bottom. I reckon, I, I, look, I have a theory. No one, like, I don't know, and I don't know anyone who was involved in the production, so I can't, um, yeah, I can't yeah, I'm only speculating on how it potentially finishes. But I would imagine that there's a pretty good chance that it'll finish with the win over the Panthers. Just given the ladder positions and so on. Oh, I reckon they that's knocked what off the front that's, runners. That's, that's, I reckon that's what they'll yeah, use. If they, okay. want, if they want to finish in that, you know, and, 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 I, and like, I agree, like they need to, they, you'd want to have like a, the, the problem with it is, is that it's, it's being done so quickly in, and like, you know, not in real time, but pretty close to real time, like within a couple of months of real time where you don't know what the outcome of this season is going to be when they're airing it. So it's not like they can structure it in such a way that it builds up to this thing and like a positive ending, but maybe so, which makes me think maybe that's what, that's what it is. Like the Panthers, it's like, oh yeah, they knocked, you know, the battlers, they knocked off the, the you know, the top side and- The front runners, it's yeah. A, and, you know, it's, you know, hope for the future and the things that Madge is instilling in them is fucking coming through because look at what they just did, you know? That's what, yeah. I, that's what I think. But I mean, it's, 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 we don't get this kind of like behind the scenes access in, in rugby leagues programming and stuff, you know, barely ever. 
and it's just like it's just great to see them you know they've they have been extremely generous with the openness and the access that they have provided these guys like extremely <laughs> and like and like michael mcguire particularly as like he has taken a, a massive fucking a, a, a massive trust in the in the producers of the show because I think the he's got... um, the overriding feel. Sorry to, but to cut you off, but I just wanted to touch on your point about Madge. <clears throat> the two overriding points that I've got from all the social media uh, that I've read and watched and caught since uh since it aired is a one which we already knew justin pascoe is a fucking creepy cunt two people generally feel like madge is a pretty good bloke he's passionate and he's coming out in a fair light oh mate he's getting he's the protagonist of the show and so he's getting the hero edit yeah yeah but oh man i want to run through walls for the guy i fucking love him he's Mm. he's great and like that guy has passion for like he his passion for his job mm. is like you just you just can't question it and it so makes me wonder, it makes me wonder what's wrong with these what's wrong with those cunts. So realistically, what's <laughs> happened is that it's his passion for his job that's made this documentary a reality. So possibly, he, I mean, I, someone's I think- already gone to him and said, you know what? If you give these guys unfiltered access, unfiltered access, we guarantee we won't punt you this season. No, I think that you know what I think the, so the driving force of this, the, uh, the driving force of this uh, show, and probably the reason for its existence, is to uh, basically promote the existence of Justin Pascoe. He has yeah, inserted okay. himself. He is inserted in this show firmly as the second lead character in the show behind Madge and they sort of do some other scatterings here and there like some fans they bring in and like a little kid that's like you know like I, I mean honestly outside of like Madeline McCann I mean like this this kid's got he's fucking got a terrible like he's been raised to be a tiger so the thing the hope that, that this little kid has I mean it's just devastating just because you just know this this kid is fucked for life because he's been indoctrinated at such a young age and like you just I'd got like to meet a little cunt. I'll give him a glimpse into his future. Oh, you, you just you just got to feel for him. But um, but can you do that? Can you turn up in a brown trench coat and say I'm you from the future? <laughs> no, I don't know if that'll be my choice of attire. If Glenn's turning up in a brown trench coat, you'll probably be, you'll probably be telling him that he's that he's going to be the fu- yeah play seven for the fucking Broncos. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> But, um, oh, I knew, I knew exactly where you were going. But Pasco is like, you know, let's let's make let's draw the fucking parallel, the tiger parallels. Justin Pasco is the Joe Exotic of this show. He, mm-hmm. I I don't know anybody who could watch this. And look, obviously, I'm I'm not neutral in that respect. And you know, I'm so, I'm so, I'm more neutral than who's Joe Jay, Exotic? For ex- than Jay, for example, on the on the on this Pasco situation. Hang on, hang on, stop I'm, stop. I'm, who's Joe Exotic? He's the he's the the the, the isn't he the, Tiger the, King the what yeah the the, the the absolute fucking waste of space in Tiger King oh, yeah, you know, okay, I didn't watch that main, pa- main character no. um but um, I tell you Pasco in my eyes 
he does not shower himself in glory or anything. like what he he on this show he comes across as a guy that thinks he's like a fucking rock star. From what I've seen, he doesn't shower at all. And, and he inserts himself he inserts himself into the the into this documentary like he inserts himself into the West Tigers team as well. Like, Poorly. I, I don't I don't feel like he should be a guy that's like around play you know around the play. That's not his fucking job. Yeah, to be like around the players and, and, and like part of the foot, you know, the football department. It seems like if if what the show portrays is correct, that cunt is way too fucking yeah you know, you know, involved in in shit that is not his department. Yeah, and maybe he needs to get back to you know, Un- unless that's a production trope like that undercover yeah, that's what boss I'm, yeah. show. Yeah, well, where, that, that's what I mean. Like, like if, you know, if the show's show portraying correctly, walking around and like you know, hey, staff member. How, how's your family? And, you know, like trying to be like one of the people. Like, oh, sandwich for lunch today. Same as always. <laughs> yeah, but being one of the people, you know what? He's, he's more like he's more like the, yeah. like, uh, like Matthew McConaughey and like Days of Confused or whatever. Like, he's like the, he's like the, he's like the he's like the old guy trying to insert himself into the young into the into the fucking you know trying to be cool with the kids. Like you do, fellow kids, like the Steve Buscemi <laughs> gif. Exactly, exactly. I put, I put that picture in the in the Facebook thing because that's exactly what came to mind. Like, I'd say I'm looking at my levels. We might need to do the first on-air costume change. I'm wearing a very loud jacket, so. That's the first. Time, that's the first I heard of it. <laughs> Bouncing all over the place. Yeah. So you, um, th- you guys keep first talking about like, Justin Pascoe while I get nude. But look, as 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 a neutral, I, I think if if you if you're a rugby league fan, you've got to, you, It's like you've got to watch it because it's a type of it's a type of viewing and a type of content that we don't get. And I I just feel it'd be great if we got more of it. I would prefer like a hard knock sort of preseason situation where they did like. They just chose a team to start the season off. Doesn't matter who it is, and like this Tigers thing, I would watch this no matter which team it was. Um, all, all trolling aside, it's just fucking interesting, you know. Just seeing into the nuts and bolts of things a little bit, uh, and the inside is like Madge swears more than we do. Uh, That's um, delightful. Good idea. And and uh, I have no fucking idea what Simon Dwyer does. And I mean, Tigers fans might have already been wondering what the fuck he does with his, you know, presumably his job for life. But do you know? Do you know what he does? He doesn't sue them. Yeah, probably because every 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 scene, like when they when they're covering the games, this this first episode covers the first four games. So like, I don't know if you remember what the draw was, Glenny. I think it start. I think you started off with Canberra and you sort of looked okay, but lost. And then, um, fucking, what happened in round two? Round two. I'm just going through the draw here now. Round two, you got smashed by the Roosters. Round three, you just got up overnight. So, yeah, that was a positive one. And then you had round four was the game against Parramatta where you looked pretty good at times and you were sort of coming back at them. Mm. And um, and, they, and then they pulled away at the end. So that's that's where the first episode goes through. But in all those, like, Madge is just like fucking... Imagine Badge are fucking riding the games like life or death fucking stressful situations the entire time, even when Madge is asking for feedback from, from the people around him in the coaching box. Cyber Dwyer's just looking at his fucking... La- he may as well be a statue, like... 
He may, it may be a, Simon Dwyer may have fucking succumbed to his injuries, and this is a fucking wheel doll that they fucking painted up to look like Simon Dwyer, and just propped him up in the box in front of a fucking laptop because for the amount of input he has. On a potentially serious note, yeah, the only other place that I've seen stuff like this is that if you get, you know, two people, yep, and one of them seems. You know, overwhelmingly lovely, and this is what you've said, Nate. That mm. that Madge just seems like such a sweetheart, or you know, passionate. Swears. Let's a not bit. let's not let's not go that far. He seems like a good um, bloke. That's who it. Fucking, who, who loves what he does for a job. But there's somebody next to him that is so petrified that they're not even going to say one word. <laughs> that sounds like the couple when you go and knock on the door after you've had enough of you know the sounds of him fucking throwing plates at her. <laughs> And he's there, calm as you like. And the wife's there, too terrified to say anything at all because she knows that she's not going to be able to keep it under control and it's just going to get twice as bad as soon as they shut the door. Yeah, I think Madge would need to... He needs to get his fucking gold Logie ready because if that's the case, he is one of the greatest actors we've ever seen on in the country because um, that East game especially... They're going to the box for his reactions when the Roosters are fucking chucking tries down Noffa. <laughs> and he's and so far, I mean, that was only like round two or three, I think. So, but so far, you just want to see him go. What the beep is this beep? I can't. Beeping, I can't fucking have they got the beep. Have they got Noffa's hundred and fiftieth in there? I don't know. I, I I don't know anything apart from what I've seen already. Oh, but, have um, they got the Tommy tribute. That's I oh, feel that like is no. part of it. That that's is, yeah. that, I, that's coming, I think, because we got the Cowboys game. The, the next three games for the Tigers in the season after the ones that we've seen are the Cowboys game where the Cowboys beat them. Then they've got a game where they narrowly lose to the Rabbits, and then they've got the game where they got flogged by Manly. And I think that was the three. That was the three Tommy tributes, and particularly that game where they got flogged by Manly. I expect that's where the wheels start coming off to Moffa, where he's going to start. <laughs> Where we're going to see Madge start to say things that he might <laughs> that that might that might make Noffa reassess what he actually fucking deserves. Madge, what yeah. Madge might look at the production team and go, "Fuck, guys, throw me under a bus here." <laughs> Could have edited that out. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's that, that's like the meta story about like you know like the, how the production came to be and what the parameters the crews were given to work around and that sort of stuff is interesting too. I'd love to hear more about that, but um. And I have some people that I could probably tap to find out some more information on that. So I might do that through the week and see what see what we come up with. Um, but yeah, definitely. I mean, like obviously, if you're listening to the show, you should definitely watch it because I mean, it's it's basically the the capsule is the synopsis for the two shows are identical. Yeah. Wow. Tiger the West Tigers documentary this week in league. Heaps of swearing about rugby league. With useless fucking tigers. Hey, Neil. Piece of shit. Uh, see, I hope we get to the stage where Madge is saying that about Noffel and try start blowing. <laughs> you got a couple of close games over the next. So they, I'm not sure if they're going to do like four games an episode. I don't even know how many episodes there are. How many episodes is it going to be? Five, Four? I think. Five? Oh, five. Fuck. Yeah, I'll take you up to the Penrith game for sure. Um, other news stuff. What do you want to talk about? Um, today, 
the uh, well, it started well yesterday, the day before, and then they're talking about oh, you know, Tavita Pangai Junior. could be going to the Panthers, you know, for a couple of weeks to end off this season. Uh, and he's signing from for- everything out says it's official now. Yeah, but like yesterday, the day before, it was like this is going to happen, and then immediately after the club released the thing and said no, this is not going to happen, and then this morning it popped up again, and then now it has happened. So uh, the Bulldogs have announced that Tavita Pangai Junior. has signed with them from next season. Yep. Uh, for I think three year deal, and uh, thereby making his situation at the Broncos. I mean, they kind of want him out of there ASAP, mm. and the Panthers have got some things coming up where um, Fisher Harris is, has to leave the bubble for the birth of a child. Yep, that's it. And so he has to leave the bubble. The birth of the child thing has to happen, and then he can't go straight back in. So he's going to have at least two two more weeks off that. So I guess it sort of provides him a little bit of cover there, um, and the fact that you know kick out. It might it might fucking put a, a fire under kick out to say, look, here's another one, here's another kick out here, like, you know, <laughs> motherfucker lift your game. Yeah. Because spot. um because we've 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 got an Aldi kick out for the wish, for the next yeah. for wish the next out. three yeah, wish out for the next three months. So um <laughs> so uh you know, if you want to play in the if you want to play in the finals this year and uh, and have a chance to to play an absolutely fucking horrible game it cost us a premiership like you did last time. Um, yeah, fuck around and find out. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen I haven't seen too much bitching about it either, which is uh, which is refreshing. Yeah, mm. because it's not. It, I mean, you, well, we could joke about you know like pylon era starting in in rugby league, but um, not. It's not so much because it's not. There's not a lot of money involved in this, and um, it don't. I don't think it really. It it doesn't really benefit the Broncos a massive amount. Like the hundred thousand that they the, the hundred thousand that Penrith are paying him for the rest for the you know the, the rest of the year, uh, which is half of the money that he was owed from the Broncos. Yeah. That hundred grand goes off the Broncos cap next year. Yeah. So so that means that they can then offer players. They've got an extra hundred grand, which could be the difference between someone who's teetering on the edge of joining. You know, the wooden spooners. Mm. And not, you know, so so it gives them a little bit more leverage to get someone decent in. And I know they're chasing Dane Gagai to bring him back. Yep. Um, so yeah, look, I I think it works out okay for both both sides. Hopefully, he doesn't uh, visit in, the bikes down there in Western Sydney. And yeah, in, in this situation, Penrith have got the most to lose. Mm, I agree. So with the, you. The, they're in the most precarious position. Um, in that, you know, the the Broncos the the seasons are right off anyway. Yeah, uh, and for all intents and purposes, it sounds like Pangai's been out checked out there for a while anyway, which doesn't fill me with confidence about the guy. You know, I, I just I, wonder. That's such a such a culture at Penrith, and the way they all play for each other and the bond that they have. Mm. Just on, even if it is only for three months, but it's the most important three months of the year. Yeah, injecting what could potentially be a toxic influence into the dressing room or around the club. Yeah. Cover or not? I'm I'm not sure he's toxic from the get-go. Like, I, I don't... He doesn't strike me as that sort of personality. Um, like a Josh Maguire, so to speak. Yeah, that's it. I, I think he can I keep think... a lid on it for three months because yeah. coming from a career, a career that started at the Brisbane Broncos after they were good... And a career that is landing at the dogs next year. 
Mm. This is a brief window in time where he'll be able to experience playing football with a good side. And yeah. I think the novelty of that will last far longer than three months. It, it, I think yeah. he'll, he'll be gone before the novelty's worn off. Yeah, correct. Correct. But the the other issue is, does he become that that guy who, when there's a little bit of heat applied to him, you know, rises and says, well, okay, fuck. I, I it could be a masterstroke. That's it. Or... Does he, um, you know, and he, he's another person that's reportedly unhappy and looking for a move, uh, David Clemmer. Yeah. You know, everyone's heard the stories about his dumping from Origin. Yep. In that he just dealt with criticism so fucking poorly that that now he's he's basically been stamped never again. Yeah. By Freddie. Um, all things considered, you, you're losing the the greatest prop in the competition um, who is now also the greatest new father of 2020 um, so do they have so to do something who's the greatest new father of 2021 <laughs> Jesus Christ <God. laughs> if Fisher Harris is the greatest new father of 2020 2021 whatever it is sorry I misspoke you did um, thinking it <laughs> saying it should have just thought it saying it um, yeah so so they had to do something they've done something it, it's going to be a real test to the bond you know because again it, it's easy to be a essentially a flat track bully with a bond like it's easy to be like oh we're all brothers when you're winning everything um, but that real test of the bond is when there's road bumps. Look, if he as long so. as as long as he doesn't get suspended or or yeah. you know cost games with fuck ups, he'll be fine. Because the the thing is, well, the Broncos, he's a he's a, a huge money player, and one of the more senior guys in quite a young in a, in quite a young side, especially in the forwards. So he's he's a very loud, you know, yeah, big character in Brisbane. But then down, you know, you move him down to, to Panthers, and there are tons of dominant players in that side that will put him in his box, and like the coach. You know, as well, I would mm. imagine. So, I mean, he's he's being brought there, you know, for a small role for a small amount of time. Sit down, shut up, do your fucking job. If, yeah, if I had it. to, if I had to place a wager on how it was going to play out, I think he's got a point to prove. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder, which clearly can use as a positive to motivate him to be a, a a high level contributor in in the parts and the team that he wants him to play. Yep, um, and. I suspect for his time at Penrith, I don't know about the three-year deal at the Dogs, but certainly the time at Penrith, I think they're good enough culture-wise and Cleary's good enough as a coach to to manage the best from him. So. Um, anything else you want to talk about before we get into the games? Tigers almost pulling off the greatest hatchet job in history. Jesus. Yeah, seizure. Yeah, stepdad's having a seizure on mute over there. You're right, no, mate. No, I'm sneezing. Jesus Christ! Like, you got the. That's a fucking effort face and a half. That one. Coronavirus Sweet. is real. <laughs> Jesus Christ! No, so what's this hatchet job with your West Tigers that you want to talk about, Glenny? Off offering um, Luke Brooks and Moses Mbai as oh, a trade geez. for. Uh, you could just Jack imagine. Jack Whiten and Josh. Yeah, for, and Josh. 
So let Pasco go, hey, hey, Canberra, Ricky, uh, we, uh, how do you feel about giving us your best player and probably your second best player for this pile of rags? Hey, Ricky, you still there? Oh. Honestly, if Justin Pascoe... i go back Pascoe, to putting sump oil in my hair and trying to suck my own dick. If Justin Pascoe drove through fucking McDonald's drive-thru <laughs> and and offered to give Luke Brooks and Moses Umbai to, to, to McDonald's to upsize his fucking combo, they'd reject it. Can you just I mean, give me a cup of the oil out of the fryer so I can put it through my hair? Uh, yes, yes. And I'll give uh, you these two fine first graders. When you're speaking of West Tigers hatchet jobs as well, though, I mean, the in in the race for Tavita Pangai Junior for, from 2022 20, onward, the West Tigers offered the same dollars as the doggies, oh, and he chose wow. the doggies. Yeah, no one's come play at the Tigers. What are you talking about? That's not, that shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. Least of all, the one of the hosts of the fucking finest rugby league podcast production ever created. Who wants to come play at the Tigers? Even the people that play there don't want to play there. Oh, it seems like James Tamau seems pretty, pretty. You know, he he, he talk. He, it's funny because knowing what we know now, I mean, like at the start of the season on the show, he's talking the talk. <laughs> he was bought in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you know, getting like seventeen meters in a game you know, probably doesn't represent the, <laughs> the the fruits of that belief. But uh, yeah, talking the talk is one thing, but walking the walk or running the run or. Post-contact metering, the post-contact meters are different things. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, any other news articles, fellas, before we move on? Nothing of any substance. Preview time for round 19 of the 2021 NRL season. And once again, I, I don't even know what all the venues are. Here we go. It's a magical round for Southeast Queensland, if not the magic round yet again. Um, we're kicking off Thursday night down the Gold Coast. Parramatta Eels take on the Canberra Raiders. The Eels side, uh, Moses, is out after not backing up for Origin and you know, with some kind of... Uh, Breaking, yeah, breaking of those in his in his back, which mm. is um, explains why he played like a quadriplegic in game three, I suppose. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's going to keep him outside, and I think it's going to be like a, another couple of weeks before he's back too. So fairly important stretch for the Eels, although I feel like the top four is probably locked in at this point. Um, I, I, just, I still couldn't believe that Glenn wanted to have the line at the beginning of the show that, you know, with, with a broken spine, Mitchell Moses plays football worse than Alex McKinnon fucks. <laughs> like, that was... I would have said it. Yeah. And, like, let's, like, you know, being, with, you know, being fully transparent, that wasn't up, up for contention as one of the lines at the start of the show. But if it had have been... Why have you got a spoilish stick? No, but I just want to say, I just want to put on the record, if you if you had have come up with that half an hour ago, Glenn <laughs> no, would have no, said I, that at the start of the show. It wouldn't have been Glenn. Re- it wouldn't. Yeah. It wouldn't have been Glenn rejecting it. You, I mean, he would have. He would have been saying it for sure, hundred um, percent. The uh, what else have we got here for the Eels? Junior Paulo returns the prop. Nukore's bench. Cartwright drops the reserves. Blake Ferguson returns on the wing. Uh, Hayes Dunster dropped to reserves, and Will Penasini is set to uh, debut in the centres. Uh, the Raiders side. How is it that you 
forever and a day, the administrator at the storm, whose name is spelt differently to the young center for Parramatta, you always yes. called the man Frank Penisy, right? Yeah. Whereas Will in the centers for Para literally has the word penis in his name. Yeah. And you, you can't bring yourself to give the same pronunciation. You do realize that Panisi also has penis in, the, in the, the, the first five letters of both names are identical, right? No, I thought it was P-I. I thought it was P-I double N. Oh, no, he's P-O. Frank, no, Frank, yeah, sorry, Frank is P-O. Yeah. Okay. It's just, it's just, it's just fucking because like I, my, my best mate in primary school was uh was uh David Panisi, and so it's was, it was the same letters as as uh, as old Will here, but just uh, shuffled around a little bit. Was um, David's dad's name Richard by any chance? I really wanted to be. He had an uncle, Uncle Dick. No, no, mm. he's a very very Italian family. So I think he's I think his dad's name from memory. He was like proper like Vito, or yeah, so like proper Italian. <laughs> yeah. <right>. <laughs> <laughs> um. Fat Tony. The Raiders. I, I remember going, yeah, we'd, we'd have dinner, we'd have a sleepover, whatever, and dinner, it would be like the fucking big bowl of pasta and the meatballs <laughs> and the, you know, like the full on Italian thing is great. Um, the uh, Raiders, okay, what do we got? Rapiner replaces uh, Xavier Savage, who's out for a shot with, with a, a shoulder injury for the season after a promising uh, game last fuck. week. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Bush Doctor, what do you think about his shoulder injury? Do you reckon oh, you make it back I, round how, one? It's how I did mine. Out for the yeah. season. Fair assessment. Fair assessment from the Raiders medical staff. So, so you're saying that uh, that he did it uh, throwing a punch at a cunt who'd been training boxing for six weeks <laughs> in the dressing rooms. In the dressing rooms after the game. Uh, so um, that brings in Harley Smith Shields. Uh, on the wing, Jack Whiten's not available uh, through a rib injury, so he'll be replaced by uh, Matt Frawley in the halves. Ryan James drops the reserves, and Timoko added to the interchange. Boys, how do we see this one? Do the Eels still get up uh, despite the absence of uh, Mitchell Moses? I think the fact that Reed Marnie's there is a is a huge positive sign for, for Parra despite the loss of Moses. I, I still expect Parra to win this game. I could yeah. I think uh, Dylan Brown uh, Dylan Brown can get it done and Jacob Arthur was he was fine. Mm. You know, obviously he's not he's not spectacular he's a kid, but he was he was fine. Yeah, definitely not yeah. like a uh, I, you know, I, I an absolute liability in there. So I think you're both right in that the combination of Marnie and Brown is fantastic together. They just play so well off each other. Mm. Um that also based on just how brittle Canberra have proven to be, and then, you know they've they've won some games recently, but but Parramatta and I'll stick I'll stick to my definition of them for for all of this year because I believe it's still accurate that they are across the park at worst average. Mm. There's not really any like there's no Noffers in that team, you know. Um. You know, or there's there's not an obvious liability there. Yeah, and I think that rugby league is is a game where such that that you're actually better off. Almost think of it like a like spokes on a wheel. You know, you you're better off having all your spokes the same size, rather than having a couple of really massive spokes and and then a bunch of others that that are half half the size of that. So 
so I think just familiarity and, and cohesion across the team is very important, maybe more important in some games than individual star power. Uh, and Parramatta will just be too good across the park for the Raiders. Yeah. I also think that the the back line, the outside backs of the Raiders, I'm just not sure about, you know, like a par- the Parramatta are going to be able to stick to a game plan. Yep. And they're going to be able and, – and I just uh, – I have, I have zero confidence in, in Jordan Rappiner at fullback, you know, yeah. withstanding 80 minutes of what the Yields are going to be throwing at them. I think this will be another game where we realise that the game has, uh, during his time off with injury, the game has passed Jared Croker by, and I expect him to retire at the end of the year. Well, all right then. The big call. Uh, the Roosters take on the Newcastle Knights. Uh, the early Friday game uh, up at Sunshine Coast. They've finally given Sunshine Coast Stadium some games. Um, Teddy returns at fullback, so that moves Manu to the centres, and uh, Josh Morris has dropped to the reserves. Um, Takayaho returns to the bench, and uh, Fletcher Baker drops out of 17. Crichton starts, Nat Butcher bench. The Knights side, what do we got? Dan Saifidi is back uh, from injury. That saw him miss uh, last weekend the Origin game. Uh, Clemmer drops to the bench. Lachlan Fitzgibbon drops to the reserves, and Suaso Sue onto the interchange. Mm. So the Newcastle Knights, Sands, Mitchell Pierce. I, I still struggle to get a form line on the Knights. Yeah, same. I. I think that the Roosters, again, uh, if you look at the experience they've got on the field, just head-to-head, yep. then then the Roosters in almost all positions have a lot of game experience and smarts uh, and enough to comfortably cover what the Knights are going to throw at them. Uh, and, and even down to, to other areas, the, the Roosters bench... Is just so far superior mm. that I think over the course of eighty minutes that the Roosters have got too many points in them. I think the Roosters big men grind the the Knights forwards down in the middle. The Knights need too many things in the in to go their way in the first twenty minutes of this game to give themselves a chance of winning. Um, and I just don't know that the Roosters are the side that's going to give Newcastle or allow Newcastle to have the glut of possession and field position and six agains um, that they're going to need to to be able to win this game. I think the Roosters are too disciplined. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't think the Knights have what it takes to beat the Roosters. Yeah. No, I agree. Do you think that J-Moz has been dropped down to the reserve so that they can harvest him for parts and try and get Beesmoz back for finals? Well... <laughs> Did you see that Robbo came out and, and confirmed that it was a form decision? Yeah, yeah. When I first saw it, I thought, oh, maybe they're just giving the old fella a rest. But no, yeah, form. Mm. Has, yeah, has, I didn't think he, I didn't think he was that that. I mean, he hasn't been glaringly stuck out to me. I mean, maybe he has been because I mean, maybe I'm just not watching East game, you know, with the you know, as rigorously as I watch you know other games. But um, I didn't think he was. You know, we've seen some bad fucking players on the field this year. Yeah, steal livings I, and, and stay there week in, week out. I would also suggest that there would be things that, yeah, when you say form, 
it may not be stuff that's glaringly obvious to us watching the game. Yeah. Like there, there may be things that they talk, all talk about doing and committing to. And if he's not doing that three weeks in a row, then Robbo's got to, well, you know, look, I can't not drop you now. I've got a bunch mm. of young kids here. Yeah. And look, maybe it's just a, like a pre-finals tester there, just to see how how um, how Smith goes in the centres, and yeah, if he, he might set the fucking world on fire. At which point, it makes the decision real easy for for Trent going forward. Yep. Or he might be, you know, too early, and you know, we see James come back in. Yeah. Okay, the late later Friday game, North Queensland Cowboys take on the Melbourne Storm up in North Queensland. So the North Queensland side, um, Tabawai Fido remains at fullback. Um, Murray Tolangi replaces Javid Bowen in the centres. Uh, Kane Bradley debuts on the wing, and Lukey returns from suspension uh, onto the bench, and so he'll replace uh, Peter Holler. Melbourne Storm side, Puppy is back in jersey number 17. Uh, so this will be the first time he's been named on the bench since round 10. Uh, Addo Carr and Welsh are back from a, a post-origin rest. Uh, mm-hmm. Nelson Asafa Solomon is back from suspension. Uh, Fanukin uh, has not been named. He's out with a concussion. Uh, Munster and Kafusi being rested. And uh, Cooper Johns in at 5 8. Nice. Well, being rested is the, the crucial term there for and that just, and that says everything about uh, how Craig feels about this game and uh, and the opposition <laughs> yeah. that they're facing off against. Yeah. Uh, and, storm um, by a million. Yeah, I would agree. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't. I, I honestly don't know what to say. What what else to say about that game? Because I just I can't see a, even even with the resting of uh, Cameron Munster, I don't feel like he's been the catalyst at all in the last two months for the Storm. No, everything's coming from Hughes and Nico. Like so, I don't yeah. I, like. I don't think they're going to miss anything. Um, I I need Jerome Hughes to become a fucking immortal <laughs> because um, the boy pulled a, a Jerome Hughes signature card out of a out of a pack the other day. So that that's currently sitting there. It's valued at the fucking life changing price of twenty five dollars. <laughs> and. Having a look at all of the card grading sites, yeah, um, the the exact quote was that um, any card that a drunk cunt like Super Grover can reproduce on a Tuesday afternoon ain't <laughs> worth shit. <laughs> so um, that's what the marketplace is telling me. So I need the cunt to become an immortal so I can retire. I was going to say honestly, honestly, there's a, there's a card where, where where Pikachu took a shit. It'd be worth more. <laughs> <laughs> than, than, uh, than, than the uh, Jerome Hughes ones at this stage. But, you know, immortalhood lies before him. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> Who wouldn't want that one? Yeah. Fucking hell. Right. Uh, the Rabbitohs take on the Warriors at Sunshine Coast Stadium, uh, 3 p.m., the uh, rabbit side, Alex Johnson is out with a hamstring injury, so Jackson Polo comes in on the wing. Latrell's back at fullback. Um, Mansour back on the wing with Milne benched and Braden Burns out of the 17. Jai Arrow returns on the bench. Liam Knight and Peter Mamuzelis both drop out of the entire squad. Warriors side, 
Wade Egan's injured, uh, Roger Tuivasa-Shek injured, and uh, Torhu Harris injured. So uh, that forces some changes. Rocco Berry's out. Pompey comes in at centre. Nikarima replaces RTS. Um, Tavanga moves to hooker. Curran to lock. Murchie replaces Harris in the back row. Uh, Otokolu and Afoa added to the bench, and Ben Murdoch-Masilla named in the reserves. Mm. Well, I don't... I, this is Bunch. like... Like the Storm game, except to a lesser extent, in my opinion. Mm. It doesn't really matter what the the Warriors... I feel like the Rabbits are on an upward tick, and the Warriors are, you know, if they're not just flatlining, so to speak, um, they're, they're starting to head and you know, look for the back end of the season. Mm. So mm. I think the, the Rabbitohs have got a bit too much to play for and be too strong for the Warriors. Yeah, and when you take RTS and Tohu Harris out of the Warriors, yeah. I mean that's like that's ripping the heart, the soul, and and you know probably twenty five percent of the aggregate talent in the seventeen, yeah. you know, yep, out of the out of the lineup. And, and looking at Souths, when when you have a half who is the the captain of your ship and is playing well enough that he was in consideration and only didn't make the Origin side. You know, based on being a couple of years older, yeah, than the guy they put in. When he's the least mentioned part of your attack, you've got to be doing something right. Mm. Yeah, and and Adam Reynolds is just doing that thing that he does, where he steers the ship. He does what he needs to do, and and it's all the excitement machines outside him that yep. are getting all the credit. So, um, far too many points in Souths. All right, uh, Suncorp, doubleheader, kicking off with the mighty Manly Seagulls, taking off the West Tigers, uh, Manly side. Uh, Tommy Turbo, Jake Turbo, and Daly all return. Garrett goes back to the wing, Sully to the reserves, Schuster to the second row. Uh, Lawton is out, uh, Kepi to the bench, and uh, Aloye returns on the bench, thereby probably providing as close to probably the best lineup this season that we've seen as close to full strength as we're probably going to get um, the Tigers side one to 17, no changes to the side that beat the Broncos. Right, you coming down the mountain, Glennie? Oh, it'll be a game day decision. Um, I would like to go because I feel like this is going to be a glorious victory and, the start of the type of the type of tale that you'd really want Tales from Tigerland to be about. Yeah, I think they've wrapped up filming at this point. There's no need to pretend. <laughs> there's already there's already talk from, you know, the shining lights of the playing group, such as David Nofaluma saying that <laughs> the Brisbane the the Brisbane bubble could be the thing that you know turns turns the team season around and sends them on a finals bound trajectory uh, and uh, and clearly premiership glory and so you know when when Noffa says things like that everyone listens when David when David talks people listen um, not anyone in his team none of his teammates or the coaching staff. Um, Sounds they, like the A and B defenders need to fucking need well, to get don't, back and stop don't him from shooting his mouth either. off. They don't listen either. Um, <laughs> David listens. David listens to David because he feels like he deserves to be listened to. 
I've got grave concerns about this game, if I'm honest, gentlemen. <laughs> was it the? It was the game. The game last time that we played against you guys in round what, round six, I reckon. Yeah, it was the, no, it was earlier. It was it four, five. No, was no, it no. First game. It was. It was the second game back for. Trebojevic. Yeah, yeah. So we, yeah. So he was. It was. It would have been six then, because I think it went uh, in four. We played the the Warriors five Titans six. Yeah, we six for you guys. But was it in that game where they where where Madge actually moved Noffa to the other side of the field? Yes. Oh. Only because the gate that led out of the field to the car park, where there was a bus waiting for Noffa to walk out onto the road and be run down by that bus. The gate leading out there was locked, and they didn't want Noffa trying to jump the fence because that would just be embarrassing. Um, I think the West Tigers have what it takes to win this game. Where? It's an excellent question, Nathan. What no, it's like a serious, serious question. Though. Like, yeah, like, 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 like literally a, where? Like a length of metal pipe in their training kits? Because <laughs> that's what it will take for them to win this game. <laughs> I mean, look, like- I like Dewey. I like the fact that they've kept Dewey at six. Um, but you only have to look at the last time we played Manly um, to to see what Manly's capable of doing to the Tigers. But, uh, yes, to say I'm not confident about the game leading in would be a fair understatement. Look, I think I think that you know the the, the Tigers came off a off a huge win in the context of their season last week. They'll be flying, they'll be flying high, and they'll be full of confidence. And I think it's going to be a really tough game. You're a fucking wanker, mate. Why? I'm, I'm trying to talk your team up a bit, mate. No, you're not. I can see that you got that same stupid <laughs> smug look on your face that you had as soon as I fucking answered this call this evening, and I called you on it, and you tried to deny it then, and you're trying to deny it now. That face will not is be face denied. Of- that face is a face that says, that says I'm happy to see you, mate, and, like, and I'll be happy to see you at, at uh, Suncorp at the game. That face well. can, and the rest of you can go and fuck itself. I will say, if the Tigers happen to get up in this game, we will be on a rocket ship to the last round that we'll then need to win to make the finals. And I can't wait to by see 60. it. Well, unless, <laughs> unless, yeah. Unless we can still make it if we lose by 60, at which point we'll lose by 61. (laughs) Yeah. For for my part, I mean, I'm just like Desi's clearly with his selections and things like that and his strategic resting of players over the last month. You know, there have been games that he's deemed important and games he hasn't. This this is the, you know, should be the first game where it's like, okay, let's ramp things up, you know, towards the finals. And uh, that's that's all I want to see. I just want to see that kind of commitment and you know combination from the team, and uh, just to, to show that they're on the upward tick to uh, peak at the right time. And if they put a fifty on, if they put fifty on the the Tigers, then that'd be all right too. Because I haven't been to a live game this year for Manly where they haven't put fifty on their opponents, so um, it'd be nice to see another one. So here's the thing. I've as we're speaking, I've just done the ladder predictor for the rest of the season. Right. And <laughs> Tigers I can make it, right? This they can. No. We can hundred percent we can make it. No, they 100%. can't. They're playing the doggies twice for fuck's sake. I've given them I've given them both the doggies. Right. Right. Uh, they got a very easy draw on the way home. After they get their fucking thumping this week, they're okay, I think. Well we've got oh, Penrith they, again. They play Penrith again. Oh you but won that last time though, you put that down as a double. 
but well, it's the, t- it's the teams honest. around them. Yeah, so but they're they, all kind of so tightly bound together, aren't they? They got Penrith, they got the Dogs, they've got the Sharks. I'm going to give them the and, Sharks. The Sharks lost to the Broncos, and as well, the teams around them also have relatively easy draws coming home. That's their issue. But there's those teams as well. Like when they play I've, the Sharks, I've they win that them, game. They I've take also two given off the them, Sharks. I've also given them the Cowboys game. Yeah, they they own the Cowboys, don't they, Glenn? So they've they've except got for the, that game earlier this year. Yeah, yeah but otherwise that. they own them. Yeah. The Bulldogs, the Cowboys, like I've, I, you know, I, it's not like I've been a prick here and just said, "No, nah, you're not winning anything else." So, which games did you give them losses for? Penrith, obviously, and what else? Penrith, I reckon Cronulla will get them, and Manly. I think the Sharks is winnable for them. Does that change if they win the Sharks? Hang on, let me just go and find that. Uh, fucking underrated fun time drinking activity. The old ladder predictor. Fuck, there used to be some hours spent on that. Um, so let's change it. Uh, Nut takes them from 12th to 10th. Not even 9th. <laughs> now I'm going to have to get on the ladder, ladder predictor. Who, who do you have in 9th then on, in your scenario there? Uh, hang on. Let me get back to the end of the year. 24. 25. And then we're out. So 9th um, is the Sharks. Okay, so Manly got to play the Sharks, I think. And so if we thump the Sharks by like 60, it might do the for and against enough to get the Tigers in the ninth. Well, the the gap in for and against. the good blokes we are. And again. You look, <laughs> yeah, I don't that, know what the for and against is at the moment. That's that's the other variable. <laughs> I've made every game to one by 12 points. Yeah, okay. All right. Which in 2021 is is probably not realistic. Yeah, but the difference, the, the Sharks for and against is 72. Plus seventy two or minus be minus, minus seventy two yeah. and the Tigers is minus one hundred and eighteen in my oh, 12, 12 point last round fantasy. Yeah, okay, and it's going to be closer to two hundred. That's it after this weekend. Um, so go fuck yourself, mate. That's it. You've convinced but, me, Tigers thirteen plus. <laughs> bet with mates unless your mates are cunts. Then bet on your own. <laughs> put your house on it. The more you put on, the more you get back. So, if you put taken... one house on, you may win six houses. Yeah, I like your maths. The Panthers take on the Broncos next game up at Suncorp Stadium. Uh, Luai returns. Brent Naden drops the reserves. Burton shifts the centre. And uh, Appy is uh, named to start with Kenny on the bench. Broncos side. Flegler and Ricky start in the forwards. With Kennedy and Rabati benched. Uh, Pakes replaced Arthurs in the seventeen. Um, and yeah, look. I'm, I think bringing Luai back against the fucking Broncos, I would have given him another week. Just my opinion. What? I, why yeah, why I, bring I actually, him back? I kind of agree when you think of it. Why yeah, would you bring him back for that. a game that you're guaranteed to fucking win? The problem is, while every everybody loves having their rugby league team up in Brisbane, every every Brisbane located person. Loves having their teams up here, and you know the opportunity to see them live. Jay will tell you that the Panthers always struggle mm. against Brisbane in Brisbane. They do. Yeah, maybe they that's the argument, them. eh? Like just try and get a bit more stability back there. Oh yeah, and and help. Maybe May. maybe he's maybe he's fine though. Like that's the thing. Maybe maybe he's maybe he was close to being back last week, and you know, so and that was the week he was held back from returning. Here's the thing, though. I I think much much less emphasis is put on, oh, can we give them another week's rest yeah. than, than we assume there is. 
I think it is as simple as the doctor has cleared a return, so they're back. Yeah. On, on I think it is get get your team as close to perfect um, setup as you can. And if the doctor said it's okay, get them the fuck out there. Yep. Also, along with that is well, an, another another week of of fitness is is better than another week of none. Mm. Um, I think this game, the the quality of the Panthers in this game is going to depend heavily on who Ivan plays at seven. If he plays Luai and Berto, then then I think they demolish them. If they play Luai and May, who? They win, but it's going to be ugly. So if, if he plays Luai and, and Burton in the halves, does that mean May slips to the centres? Does that create another... I mean, I know it's the Broncos, but mm. how does he go in the centres? Probably better than he does in the halves. Yeah. And uh, look, sorry, uh, that's, that, that was hard. Um, but accurate. In, ter- in terms of the makeup of this team... When the makeup and the success of this team has been based almost exclusively on pace and energy out of their halves, I think getting back as close to a Luai and Kiri style of play is the key. Mm. Um, so then they, Burton, Burton takes the role of Cleary, so to speak. Essentially, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but and, and look at it. The, the Broncos get up for the Panthers and, and always have. So this is going to be another game where they're coming at them. Um, last time it was the probably the Panthers' worst game they'd played all seasons and the Broncos' best, and they nearly got them. You know, it was only some Nathan Cleary magic and a two-point field goal that got Penrith home in the end. So uh, Panthers to win, but uh, but it has the potential to be uh, to be an ugly one. Right, the Dragons take on the Titans down at Seabus. The um, it's funny how they're giving Titans the the home game down there at Seabus when it's a game that is would be a Dragons home game. Had the bubble not been relocated, you'd think they'd stick them at Suncorp just to try and yeah. You know, I mean, it's just a straight money thing. They're like, oh, we'll stick, we'll give these guys another home game just to try and get their you know seven thousand fans in the gate. Um, anyway, the Dragon side. Uh, Corey Norman is out through suspension. Braden Williami, uh, Jackson Ford, and uh, Farmer Silly also out. Um, I believe Braden Williami is probably out with a massive anal tears after what happened to him last week. Um, Dufty returns at fullback. Uh, Tyrell Sloan drops to reserves. Fui Maono returns to the bench. Ramsey and Beal at the centers. Uh, what have we got? Bird moves to the second row. Um, fucking who else have we got here? DeBellin drops to the bench. Kerr to prop. Maguire starts lock and Clune replaces Billy Burns on the bench. The Gold Coast Titans side, uh, Philip Sammy, Jamal Fogarty, and Aaron Clark are all out injured. Mm. Um, Sexton debuts in the halves. Mazu returns on the wing and uh, Rain replaces Clark. Fodawai can aim to start with Jolliffe benched. Honestly, the, the, the Titans, doesn't matter who they try on the field, their defense is absolutely awful. But I do fear for their ability to attack with Jamal Fogarty out of the side, who has been by far the the, the better and more productive of their halves mm. this year. Mm. I, this is a tough one to pick yeah, with any is. confidence. 
I'm going to go the Titans. Based on? Um, based on Tino and Fafita and the fact they're playing at home and fuck all else, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the Dragons, I think it's a super winnable game for the Dragons. Mm. And and they're, they're sort of in the mix for the, you know, the last two spots in the finals there. And... Um, and I, I think, I, you know, like I look at the game last week, they were absolutely atrocious in the tackles they missed, but it seems as well that a lot of the the suspects from for doing that have been dropped this week mm. and they've brought in some other guys. Uh, you know, if ben, if ben Hunt can have one of those great Ben Hunt games, then is, it definitely puts them in a position to win. Is Ben Hunt this year's Michael Morgan? How so? In that, do you remember that year that Michael Morgan went away to play State of Origin and then just just came back with a thousand times more confidence mm. and and seemingly football ability than he had when he went in there? Yeah, I, I, I think maybe he's decided. You know, that guy's he's copped a lot of flack yeah, over the course of his career, and um, maybe just the fact that he he got into that Origin side again as you say and, and played well um, and then albeit in a loss last week he was um, he was probably the Dragons best player yeah he was um, yeah I, I think there's something to that don't you as you say I'm, I'm going to go the Titans just because I need to see something out of them mm. I refuse to believe that that anyone and look from, from, from what he's shown Holbrook can coach a side like he's he's not like a Trent Barrett character who's who's just been given a first grade side with absolute no no proving at all. Yeah. Um, but I refuse to believe that he can go a whole season without at least setting them in the right direction. You know. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I'm going to tip the Titans. Well, we're in that post Origin period now where they can go on their run. Yeah. And, and give the fans promise for next year. <laughs> Uh, doggies take on the sharks at Seabus. Um, doggy side. Marshall King returns at hooker. Uh, Sione Katoa is out of the seventeen. Beyond the Odo retains his bench role. Um, Sia Manafanai starts front row. Thompson moves to lock. Jackson second row. And Dory out of the seventeen. Stimson to the bench. The shark side. Aiden Tolman suspended. And uh, Rudolph moves to prop with Williams starting at lock. And uh, Hunt joins. Royce Hunt joins the bench. So no Tolman revenge game. Yes. Unfortunate. I don't think... And he was out of the game earlier. The The other time they played him this year too, wasn't he? Oh, was he? So, yeah. So he's, so he's, a, he's, he's a hiding hiding from revenge. <laughs> right. So, who wins? I mean, surely the Sharkies, right? Yeah. Or have the doggies shown enough? No. No. I mean, they've they, they definitely improved showings against a massively weakened Rooster side, followed mm. by um, the Rabbits last week. Yep. Um, look, I don't think the Sharks will blow them out. I think it'll be one to twelve, but I, I, I do think Cronulla will win. Yeah, hundred percent. Right. If the, if there's any team that this style of play that Cronulla seem to be stuck in can be effective against, us, the Dogs.
Okay, mailbag time. And uh, let me get the mailbag open. Well, first, through the very unusual uh, method of contact being the uh, comments on our show notes on the website, oh, which happens like once, once, every, once every year, <laughs> Lambretta, um, he's jumped in and you can see why, because he sent us War and Peace, but talking about the rules and the stats. And he said, before I start, great show, boys. The show's definitely a highlight of the week. Uh, you and all your contributors do a great job of making things informative and amusing. A couple of weeks ago, you were asking if differentials increased towards the end of a season. Traditionally, a greater potential, a greater percentage of blowouts occur after round 16. There are multiple factors for this. Fatigue, injuries, teams out of contention, teams have given up versus teams with finals hope. We can expect in the run to the finals that margins will increase if history is any judge. At round 16, the Melbourne Storm team had, uh, I think, I think this one he means at 2000 and one of the breaching salary cap teams. I'm not sure which year it is. He missed, he's missed the year in there, but had a, had a points differential plus 390. This is the equal best of all time at the stage, this, this stage of the season. The Storm have scored 484 points by round 16. This is as many points as the salary cap breaching side, breaching Storm side scored in 26 rounds. Compared those two sides, can you honestly say this current Storm team's attack is far superior to the one that contains Smith, Cronk, Slater, Inglis, uh, Chambers, and Falau? Uh, the 2001 Eels took it to round nine. I'm curious as to why Chambers is in that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> uh, the 2001 Eels took into round 19 to score 484 points. The Eels 839 points equals 32.3 points per game. The Storm are currently at 36.5 per game. The Storm can get to 923 at the rate they've been scoring over the five rounds prior to round 16. 2021 has seen the equal most teams of all time held to nil after 16 rounds, 11 in all. In a sport where the ball has to be handed over to the opposition, how do we get so many teams scoring nil? This season has seen the most ever games with a 24-point margin over 16 rounds, the lowest percentage of games with a 0 to 6 points difference since 1954, the second lowest of all time. Uh, the Panthers have the fourth best for and against of all time. The Eels have the 34th best for and against of all time. Hand on heart, do you think this current Eels side is one of the top 40 best sides of all time? Uh, someone pointed out, statistically speaking, AFL games have closer margins than NRL games at the moment. The current rule set may not be wholly responsible for these scorelines, but they're a huge contributor. I'm not one for knee-jerk reactions, and a wait-and-see policy is usually one I advocate for. We've played more than 110 games in 2021. We can compare these 110 games to more than 2,000 games played in the last 20 years, and the sample size is sufficient to understand the rules as they stand at the moment should not be the rules beyond 2021. Cheers, and keep up, uh, keep up the quite frankly amazing work you've been doing. Look, I'm I'm struggling to understand one thing. How, by so obviously in what you say about us, um, you you're a mental Ferrari. Um, but with what you've just said about statistics, you're obviously a mental fucking Lambretta. <laughs> yes, cunt. I do listen to what you said about your fucking name. Um, <laughs> My issue with a lot of the stats at the moment is that you're not talking about consistency in terms of, well, if this team scores this many points at this stage of the season, in all seasons, they don't play you know, the same quality of team at the same stage of the season. Like You look at the West Tigers, they could be up in arms saying, we're statistically wonderful, but we, haven't, we get to play the Bulldogs twice and it's in the last four weeks of the year. Yeah. So in, in any statistic that determines score by a certain stage of the season, they're severely disadvantaged. 
in that. Then when you're saying... They're also severely disadvantaged by way of their existing playing roster, but that's another matter altogether. Hmm. You fucking stop. You're going to start making it no fun to make fun of Tigers. (laughs) (laughs) But you're going to need that many fucking offloads about your team. Jesus Christ. Um... The other thing is, you can't quantify quality of opposition across those years either. So purely judging who is the best team of all time by the for and against is a an unrealistic endeavour. You know, in that um, same thing. How many how many times has this Eels team played played bad bad teams this year? You can't really go in and say that well, just based on for and against, then then that decides who is the best team and who is the worst team. There's so many other fucking little nuances that go into that. Um, I believe, and again, when you say long term, I think we've got to look longer term than anyone even wants to look at. You know, Nate, you're talking about having a season to look after it. Mm. It's so fucking obvious that there were teams that still hadn't really adapted to the to the shortened interchange. And the Bulldogs were one of them. You know, the was it last week? I think I said it. The, the grand final in 2014, before the, the interchange rules changed last time, was Souths and the Bulldogs. And the Dogs hadn't really ever gotten back to any any stage of of their previous glory since then. So I think we need more than one year to really let teams sort out if they're going to get on board with this this new style or not. Um, no, but again... It, oh, it, I, 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 I would agree with the conclusion 100% that the rules as they stand at the moment should not be the rules beyond 2021. Mm-hmm. There's definitely 100% changes that need to be done. And I can think of, and without, without, you know, looking at, you know, notes or anything, I like actually planning it out. I can say right now, they need to reinstate penalties for infringements and ruck infringements that happen, uh, you know, in, in your in, own in, half. In your own, yeah, exactly. Like this, there was a situation last week, and I can't remember what fucking game it was, but it was, it was just fucking atrocious. There was like a three, there were three restarts in like a minute. Yeah, and like that simultaneously, and it was just guys flying out of the line, offside, and everything, and holding down, trying to smash a team that was that was working it out off their goal line. Yeah, and like that sort of shit. There's no benefit to the team with the 100%. ball getting and, a restart me, for an extra tackle. Let me tackle. make my position on this clear as well. I'm not advocating for any rules to stay or, or for any rules to go. I'm simply saying that trying to trying to use stats like that to justify an opinion. Yeah, 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 yeah. It isn't the way to go about it. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly that there are a bunch of things that need to be tweaked. Yeah, um, and it it all bases essentially on teams teams using things like statistics. So if you've got a game where where somebody average sets that teams complete is normally sort of you know mid mid thirties, mid to high thirties, mm-hmm. number of total sets in a match, and some teams are making 13, 14 errors a game. So ba- just based on that, giving away a six again when a team is going to make an error statistically every 
every three sets at most, or four sets at most. I, I, I tell you, I saw it. I saw an excellent uh, breakdown, like, and this level of fucking attention to detail and stats and shit is something that's like you know way, you know, in excess of what I what I would ever have the time to do. But someone posted on the Facebook group today from the, the rugby league eye test or something like that. Mm. And they went through and got the data of like, you know, for every minute and every restart that's happened this season in every single game and plodded them out like literally 80, 80 columns on just to, to see the trends. And what you're seeing now with teams using the using these statistics, uh, they're actually, you can see that the Melbourne Storm have established that in the first... X amount of minutes of a game, like let's say 20 minutes. I can't remember what it was, but you can get on our Facebook group and have a look at the article. It's up there today. Um, but they basically, they give away all their restarts pretty much in the, the all their restarts for, for ruck infringements pretty much in the first 20 minutes of the games. And then after the, tw- and then after the 20 minutes, there's none. And any infringements they have, they're kind of like their offsides and things like that because they realize that because statistically, you can see massive the massive trends that the referees just don't fucking give six against for offsides after a certain point in matches. And but it's, it's just it's really good to see the data laid out like what type of infringements are getting six against, what minute of the game they tend to happen, and what does doesn't happen, and whether the teams whether they're going to the teams yeah. at the time when the teams are tied, or what they go to the team that's leading or the team that's behind and stuff. And it's it's clear trends that there's definitely make up restarts given to the losing team late in games when they're when they're unable to get back into the game, you know that sort of thing. Yeah, like it's it's it's, it's fucking great, and um it's like really it's really in depth and everything. I have still haven't gone through it with a fine tooth comb but um it's yeah it's well worth a look um and obviously look we'll be we'll be talking about this shit more at the end of the season as well and i'm certain that the yeah. rules are going to be tweaked you know what i would love to see the rules be applied just just applied in a consistent manner that's that's a big part of the problem and i know yeah, someone in the mail or just let me let me try and find the mailbag comment just so i'm addressing it at the right time um yeah so winston says um Oh, fuck, I've lost it. There it is. Yeah, he said, have the, have the refs toned down the penalising of the high hits or have the players adjusted their tackling styles or is it a combination of both? I said, no, they've to- there's no fucking adjustment whatsoever. They've toned it down. It's just, once again, it's this crackdown shit. They do it for a little while. The media and the, the public go crazy about it and then so they lose their nerve and back off it. I yeah. mean, the last couple of weeks you've seen so many... I mean, you remember when that crackdown started, like it oh. was a pe- it was a penalty for incident- incidental contact yes. was a penalty and anything that was like what you would consider a traditional high tackle was a fucking was a like a probably a 60 40 chance of going to the bin and you yeah. know and then and then the bad ones that may have been a chance of going to the bin in the past there was a good chance that guy was gone yeah. you know for the game now the incident we're back to the incidental contact not doing anything crushes are really only penalized if the player stays down and holds their neck um mm. and yeah and and you're hardly seeing like yeah. the last round in particular was probably the most uh the, the biggest deviation from the, or the biggest, you know, sort of rollback from the, the crackdown era yep. where there was, there was nothing. It was, it was, it was fuck all, you know? Um, and, and here's the, I, I think at the end of the year, they need to go and analyze all of the six against given yep. and look at the result of that set. So they have to find a way to measure it. And I'm just sort of thinking on the fly here. So, it, it would be the sort of thing like the result of the set would be, you know, where the other team gives over possession. Yep. 
and where the first tackle of the opposing team's next set was made. Yeah. So, so things like that. let's say you get a six again on your own goal line, and essentially you you work it out and you kick it, and they take take the kick on their ten, and then they're tackled on their twenty. Right. Yeah. That's vastly different to getting a penalty, starting your set on their thirty, running it out, and then having a handover five meters from the line. And then tackle ones five meters from the line. Mm. Yeah, you know, and they need to decide who they're trying to advantage with the rule. Yeah, um, and yeah, you, some tweaks definitely need to be made. Okay, let's go check out some other ones. Let's bump a mailbag this week. To be, to be honest, um, Toto says thoughts on the NRL coming in and paying overs to hotels, and because of the NRL bubble, the hotels are kicking out people, even those who have weddings on, with as little as three days' notice to change venue. It's not the NRL's fault. The hotels made that decision. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, I'm fucking and- sick of people going around like saying, oh, the NRL are bastards for doing this. No, they're not. They've gone to the hotel and said, this is what we require. Can you, and we, can you accommodate us? And we will us? pay you a lot of money. Are you able to accommodate us, please? Guarantee, yeah. guarantee you, the hotels did not go back to the NRL and say, hey, we can do it, but we're going to have to kick out fucking, you know, Miss, Mr. and Mrs. Gronquette from Gimpy, <laughs> are, are you still happy to go ahead with us if we have to to kick out, you know, potentially inbred cunts who want to formalise it? Who are having their weddings on Fridays because they're tight asses anyway. Yeah. Um, so. Look, you know, let, let's not get into class warfare, but... Um, <laughs> hey, I didn't talk about I didn't talk about the income. I just, I just said tight asses. That's you're a tight ass too, and you're. I know, you're and I feel like you're attacking my class. <laughs> <laughs> my class of tight assness. <laughs> tight classes. <laughs> um, it, 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 guarantee they didn't do that. They said yes, thank you. We will take your fucking big check. Um, okay, billion reservations. Go and get me twenty rooms. Oh, we we don't have any. Good. Go and cancel some shit then. We got a big fat sports check. So, yeah. no, nah, all of the critique at the NRL for this is completely unfair. Um, le- legit clickbait. The fucking definition of clickbait. Yeah. But, Toto, tell your friends that, um, you know, we wish them the best in their in their nuptials. Because I can't imagine that anyone's talking about it like that unless they have a personal stake in the fucking... Yeah. Cle- <laughs> Clevo's comment was the best. What did he say? He said, oh, yeah, just, just saving some, some poor bloke for 40 years of misery. Good guys in the NRL. That's it. <laughs> I was yeah. going to say, I mean, like, look at anyone listens to this show. I mean, listen, listen to the the way that that, uh, that yeah, Glenn talks about his misses. I mean, yeah, marriage is hell for some people. Um, hey, <laughs> look, this this may be the first time hey. that the NRL is actively diminishing instances of domestic violence. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time in their entire history. Of the That's it by preventing a wedding. Uh, Alistair says reports of Milford getting a run at Para seem to have been shut down by Brad Arthur has uh, Milford got realistic role in any of the clubs before the August 1 deadline nope no hang on before we so flippantly flippantly say that is there anybody who like similar to Penrith based on whatever reason he beat injury or a player needing to leave the bubble or whatever it may be say hey we fuck we might need a backup one of these. I don't think he's spotted B in the halves. Yeah. 
but is there is there anyone that might need a fullback or a winger? You wouldn't play him on the wing. Sure, you play him one or fourteen. No, I don't know. I'm just trying. To he's a fourteen. He, he's a fourteen or a half. And the thing is, the sides that are in or contention. An for the, well, yeah. Well, the thing is, the sides that are in contention for the finals. Um, you know, having a functional halves pairing is usually like a pretty important yeah. fucking part of it. So you look at the sides in the top eight, or let's look at the sides of the top six. There's no fucking. There's no room for any any halves in there. The only people that have what you would consider to be potentially dysfunctional halves pairing is the Roosters just because cycling in and out through injury and, and youth. And, and they're the, not going to ever want to. In the top eight, there's also the Sharks. Yeah. And like, that's what, yeah. And like those teams, you know, may, you know, maybe, and like yeah. you know, Griffin seems to be super intent on, you know, recruiting the olden days Broncos lineup. So yeah, fuck. you could jump him in there, no problem. And you know, that would also benefit the, the Dragons by then having, you know, Corey Norman out of their fucking side. Mm. But, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, okay. So I guess yeah. we've established that we should have just answered it flippantly. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, now, where are we? Uh, let me... Uh, Bennett says, uh, Mia Culpa, I'm a big and long-time fan of Twill Nation, but I dip in and out of listening to the pod these days. I know, shit fan. But whenever I partake in a recap app lately, I'm regularly impressed with the quality and strike rate of the match comments from the listeners. Genuine lols and hot takes on the reg. They've gone to another level in recent years. Do our wise hosts agree? Or like watching your children grow up, you do not notice the gradual changes and growth because you see them all the time? Well, Nate, you need to shut the fuck up and let Jay and I answer this because he specifically requested the wise hosts. Um, I don't think anyone would describe you as one of the wise hosts. How fucking dare you, Glenny? <laughs> well, Glenny, this you, this is this is this question can first go to you then because you've actually had like a separation from the from the the commenters coming in, and then you come back, you know, a couple of years down the track with the oh, next generation. There's definitely an evolution of the show, and I think it's just come from an increased amount. Of listeners and contributors. Um, I remember back many years ago when we when we first kicked off, it was you know it was a very uh, it was a niche group and people that jumped in regularly. Uh, now the the talent pool is is much larger, and I think that reflects in the the, the level of contributor and question just, and comment. Just refer to our listeners as a talent pool. Yeah. Yes. Fuck. The oh, West Tigers draw the West Tigers draw their playing roster guy. from a talent pool as well. I didn't didn't speak testify to the quality of it. It's just you keep talking pool. you keep talking like that and and, the, and you keep talking like that and the fucking listeners are gonna start you know, speaking to you with respect. Nah, we can't have that. You're gonna buy their love with that shit. <laughs> um well, okay, we kind of spoke about that one, so we'll keep going through there. Um, here, let's, Shane says, uh, using uh, Tavita Pangai Jr. as an example, why do weaker clubs keep paying big money for players with known issues or a perceived weak mentality? Is it to just show any type of progress to a fan base clamoring for results, or do the club coaches think they can be the one to turn this player around? A little bit of each, I reckon. I think it's almost like... You know, and. There's been so many fucking studies done on how people make purchasing decisions. And mm-hmm. I I don't 
think recruitment in football clubs would be worlds apart. I think if you did a lot of psychological or behavioral studies on how recruitment's done, it, it would mirror large purchase decisions that people make personally, almost identically. And what people are really fucking good at is buying emotionally and then justifying rationally. Right? Um, that, that's why, you know, if, if everybody bought rationally, then we'd all be driving around in little fucking, you know, Toyota Echo hybrids with no air conditioning and, you know, that'd all be white in colour. But because there's all this other shit that we find emotional, that's why there's all these different sorts of cars out there. So I think it is the fact that they can only buy what they can afford. And then they realise because they're shitty clubs, they've still got to pay overs for, for what they think they can afford. And then they would justify that to themselves with all manner of different things, just like we would be the ones to fix him. We've got a more stable, you know, family-based club culture. Um, we have better trainers or we have this or we have that to, to justify that decision. Mm. Which ultimately, more often than not, and you're a stats guy, um, I would say the stats would be heavily um, swayed towards that not being a great philosophy and the history of rugby league is littered with those decisions turning fucking yeah. pear-shaped into rapid yeah. rate of knots. Classic example just this year um, for the Tigers, James Roberts. Yep. I'm sure the Tigers thought we'll be the ones to fix him. Um, we'll bring him in, you know, culture, whatever whatever the reasoning might have been. They've just made the decision not to pick up the club option for next year, so they're yeah. cutting him loose. That's it. Yeah. Uh, Liam said, I grew up watching a lot of union where they seem to make bulk meters when kicking for touch with a penalty. Watching league, I can never understand why they don't get the ball further downfield. Seems like easy meters to be made. Was I just raised wrong or am I missing something obvious? The main difference is in union, when you kick it out, you get the opportunity to take the ball back from a line out, as rare as, rare as that is. Um then there's also the ability for you to take the ball back in defense at multiple stages throughout their attack. So essentially every time you make a tackle, you have an opportunity to play well enough to, to win possession back. Whereas with league, there are a lot fewer opportunities for you to gain possession back. Yeah, there's a bit of back and forth, you know, after the, after the comment um, or after the question was made, and like he's he's literally just saying like all that aside, the basic question here is why don't fucking guys kicking for, for kicking for line you know when taking a penalty why Go don't they bite distance. off why don't yeah. they bite off more meat? yeah exactly that's that's, oh, that's that. real that, um, that's really the question come, yeah. comes down to the shape of the ball union ball's very differently shaped to a league ball and it is a lot easier to kick a rugby union ball a lot further because of its shape. Than a rugby league ball. Sorry, I misunderstood. I thought it was a, yeah, a no. tactical question. Not no, 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 no. I will say though, Nathan Nathan Cleary would like if if he so chose. He he's accurate and a long kicker. Daly would be another example. 
Yeah, I mean, Daly's kicked, kicked 40 20s at a 30 20s. And yeah. you're thinking, but if you took a penalty from like the 30 meter line or something, he'd probably, you know, you'd get, they'd get the ball back, you know, around 45 or, you know, 40 meters, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's I, because his, his 30 20 has to bounce infield first. It's not finding yeah, touch on yeah. the full. Yeah. I remember when the, um, when the Magpies in the very early 90s, um, they bought Lang Mack, um, Joe Thomas, Gillespie, and Andrew Farrah from the Bulldogs. Um, they followed Warren Ryan across. Um, and it was a start of a golden time for the Magpies. We made the top five two years in a row and got absolutely fucking blasted out. Anyway, that's another story. But Andrew Farrah had the fucking longest touch-finding, like penalty touch-finding kicking game yeah. you've, you've ever seen. That's literally the only thing I remember about him. About Andrew Farrer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like literally, that must have been his number one defining characteristic <laughs> as a player. Solid, solid defensive center. Wise old head on the field. Slow as fuck. Could <laughs> kick the ball though. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I tell you, what, it does. It does do my head in because um, sometimes it does look like players are just dropping it over the line just to, you know, restart play sort of thing and they mm. they don't they just don't give a fuck like how mm. far you know how much they bite off. Um where are we? Uh, we've talked we've done that one before. Uh Zoran says, not a big issue, but can we get the trainers slash water boys off the field unless there's a genuine injury or breaking play? The Tiger doc uh, demonstrated they're not out there for player welfare but more so to coach the players on the field. Uh, get them off and let the players work out what to do like most other professional sports. Fuck, that would be hilarious if out of this documentary, the NRL goes and slaps a fine on the Tigers. <laughs> yeah, because he is, they, they do show on a number of occasions, like Madge is, you know, radioing down saying, fucking, you know, tell, he's even asking questions. There was, there was one that um, stuck out to me when the, the Tigers had a try conceded and they were, you know, in the huddle behind the posts and he's radioed down to the trainer to say, to say, when he gets back from the huddle, I want to know who was talking, who was talking loudest in the huddle, who was listening, and all this, what, what was said, and all this sort of thing. And I was like, that, that was actually that was one of, one of the things I found more interesting in the, mm. you know, trying to get that intel back. But there was another time there in the game where the momentum was shifting against the Tigers, and there was a player down injured. And he was just fucking screaming at the trainer through the the walkie, like you know, get out there and stop the game. You got to stop the game. And then like a try was scored against them, like a minute later. And he's just like, fuck, I fucking said to stop the game. You got, I said you got to get the game. You got to stop the game. And so like, yeah, it's definitely yeah. See, I'm off match now. You, that's fucking not in the spirit of the game. Yeah, oh, of course not the spirit of the game. I mean, it's in the spirit of winning. And you know, no, fuck that. <laughs> But yeah, no, I agree. Get you just called him a sweetheart before. No, yeah. I said Nathan called him a sweetheart. I didn't call him a sweetheart. I didn't imply, even imply he was a sweetheart. You did. You said he seemed like a good bloke. That's not a sweetheart. What, you, you'd run through walls for a non-sweetheart? Look, I, 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 I would call you a good bloke, but you're far from a fucking sweetheart. Glenn's oh, a sweetheart. Fuck, but... The furthest thing from a fucking sweetheart. <laughs> Glenny's a sweet. Glenny's a sweetheart, though. I'll, I'll, fucking, sweetheart. I'll, I'll, die, I'll die on that hill. Um, <laughs> I am a fucking sweetheart. I'm a delightful human being. I've always said that about myself. Yeah, he's not. He's not like. He's not like this. He's not like the fucking cunt you hear on the podcast that just that calls us cunts and and then says hateful shit about us for no. an hour and a half every Wednesday night. Yeah, exactly. But um, 
<laughs> uh, Matthew says, with rumors floating around, Clemmer and Vaughn linked to the dogs. If you had to choose, which one's better value for the dogs next year? Vaughn. Can you imagine yeah. getting Vaughny and uh, and Tavita Pangai in the same side, and you know they get Again, an email, they get they get an email, and you know, one of them wins a meat tray at the fucking <laughs> bolo, and, and that's only because my my gut just says to me straight away that the the upside for Vaughn versus his potential disruptions are far mm. less than Clemmer's. Yeah, I, I would like to claim feel... his damaged goods these days. Yeah, 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 and I mean, and like, let's face it, Vaughny is too. But, but I'd, and like, maybe I'm looking on the bright side of things too much. But I feel like Vaughn would be well aware that he is beyond his last chance, and the yes. fact that he's even being courted by a side right now is an absolute fucking miracle. That's and, it. And when you phrase it as saying which one is better value for the dogs, I think you're getting Vaughn at like half the rack rate yep. as well. Yep. Which, which, so if you want to talk about value, that I mean, that's value because I mean, that guy was on like $800,000, played for Australia. Yeah. Absolute yeah. fucking And that was the, the guy. Price. He was the guy who came up on his ticker. You know, he was, he was the guy yeah. who came up on, oh, oh shit, he, he's improving. You know, was a, a candidate for most improved forward in the competition. So, yeah. Um, yep. Um, Matthew said, uh, this is a reference that Glenn uh, may or may not get. I'm going to probably guess not. I watched the Metallica documentary, Some Kind of Monster, the night before Tiger Town. There's some similarities, I reckon. <laughs> By the end, someone will be in rehab. Someone will quit because they figured out how toxic it is. And the product will be shit, just like St. Anger. <laughs> oh, and Robbie will be agitating harder than a Lars Ulrich Napster lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I also think that Justin, Justin Pascoe is like the... Um, the fucking hippy dippy psycho guy, psycho babble guy that tries to fucking bring them together and uh, and get in their heads. You know, all I remember about that documentary so, is how that cunt ate a sandwich triggered me. Yeah, see, I can't even. I don't. Even, which which one? The Lars? the doctor. Oh, the doctor. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I I I've got no yeah. recollection of that. Yeah, there's one scene like where they all bring him lunch, and he like gets this sandwich and like just. Dem- picks it apart and does all this weird shit with it. And it was, yeah, nah, you're, you're a fucking psychopath, mate. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Uh, I'm going to make this one the final one. Um, Joshua says, uh, regarding the Olympics talk, uh, so this has just happened. Brisbane have been awarded the 2032 Olympics. Obviously early, but I'm curious what the boys make of this. By 2032, the Redcliffe Dolphins and whatever Ipswich pubs team would be called will hopefully made it in the NRL. So there's got to be at least two more large sporting arenas around. Is it also, I freaking hope the International Olympic Committee decides to do a juiced Olympic as well. That'd be mad fun <laughs> to see what's possible with my own eyes. Um, look, I'm going to get fucking soapboxy here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably be on, on, in agreement with you on every. I can just, I, I just feel like that we're gonna be in total agreement here. Fuck absolutely everything to do with this Olympic bid. Fuck the Queensland state government. Fuck the federal government for being behind it. Here's the fucking cunt who recently, because of a fuck up in Queensland health, tried to blame COVID on international arrivals and said, oh, oh, what we need is a fucking cap. We need fewer people coming coming internationally. Um, when a fucking receptionist at the hospital wasn't vaccinated because she wasn't a, a healthcare worker. She was mm-hmm. only a worker in healthcare, not a healthcare worker. Yeah. 
but um, then she needs to fly to fucking Tokyo for an Olympic Games that has no fucking spectators allowed in it because of the risks of COVID. You know, fine for her to go and do that. And I will add, with the fucking federal sports minister, whoever that cunt is, you know, um, and we'll be allowed to come straight back in. No issues getting her a flight home. When I know of multiple people who have been fucking stranded overseas, have you know, massive life-changing events they're trying to get back for, or have had to do fucking things like watch a funeral of a loved one on an iPad. Mm-hmm. And I know that COVID's hard, and I know that it's hit a lot of people differently. But when those people cannot get home and she needs to go and present the fucking bid personally. Here's the fucking kicker. Do you know how many competitors there were for this bid? Zero. Zero. There was no way that she could have lost. She could have said, here is my tribute to Tokyo as part of our fucking Olympic bid and flash chopsticks up her mood, and they still could not have lost. <laughs> Brisbane chopsticks. Anna's chopsticks. <laughs> so, so that's my take on the Olympics. Um, fuck everything about Brisbane doing this shit so fucking backwards at this time when all this other shit's going on. Um, on that note, 20 fucking 32 whenever that comes around, I'm, uh, I'm sure I'll want to get involved and go and watch the Boomers win fucking gold in the basketball. Mm. Yeah, look, I'm cool. For, I'm cool for that, and to watch some events and stuff like that. But it's 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 never going to be as big for us. I mean, there are a lot of the, all the positivity from, from the Olympic stuff. It generally comes from people who um, of our generation who were who live in Sydney and were around for you know t- the 2000 Sydney Olympics. Yeah, and so they're like you know in their in their twenties at, at the absolute fucking peak party time. Mm. You know, going getting amongst it when the city's mm. got a fucking buzz to it, mm. and like now I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, fuck that shit. Fuck the Olympics. Oh, mm. fuck, you know, hopefully there's some decent fucking sports in there. You know, other than the basketball, and I'll go and you know watch those sorts of things, and yeah, you know, I'll certainly take the kids to see some fucking events and stuff like that. Well, guess what? It's 2032. They won't even be fucking kids. They yeah. buy their ah, own goddamn just on that, there. Jackson had a fucking reality check that I fucking laughed. Because, like, we were sitting there um, eating dinner and it came on the TV and we are like, oh, you know, wow, we got, got the Olympics. Jackson's like, are we going to go? I'm like, you'll be 25, mate. Hope your own knock, way. Knock yourself out. Do what you fucking <laughs> He's want. Like, what do you mean? I was like, you'll be 25. You'll be, you'll be working and you'll have your own money and mum and dad will have stopped laying your entire life out on a silver platter. <laughs> do, you, do, you know, do you know what we do? At dinner instead of watching TV? Simple oh, maths. More life advice. Simple Fucking maths. Fill me in. You know, just teach kids how to count. That's all. <laughs> <sighs> um, oh, just before we wrap it up, um, that is full time 
for episode, what is it, 418. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, as always, all the links, thisweekinleague.com forward slash links. Go there. Find our Patreon, all that good shit. Uh, just give a shout out to some of our wonderful patrons, some of our uh, our top tier legends, uh, Troy and Sam. Um, also, uh, shout out to uh, one of our international patrons and international members who've been a big supporter of the show. Michael, over there in New Zealand, you know who you are, buddy. Uh, thank you so much for your support, uh, you guys. And uh, if you want to join our Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Twill Nation. Plenty of tiers. Uh, choose one that you like the look of and uh, fucking go for broke. Good times um, in there, fellas. And I'll tell you now very quickly to interject on our Patreons. Yes. Um, if you don't want to watch fucking Tales from Tiger Town, a.k.a. 13 Guys, One Dumpster Fire, then I would recommend an actual sports documentary currently on ABC iView about uh, the Australian Ballet, which has amazing sound quality and production. So, wink, wink. That is the best sports documentary <laughs> available to view in this country right now. It, it's pretty much the last dance of yeah. 2021 because yeah, I mean, it is actually about dancing. Yeah, I mean, it's not really sport though, is it? I mean, yeah, let's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, you know, like, like yeah, soccer and many other things, it's a, it's a hobby. It's I'll a tell hobby you what, I'll tell you what, people that are watching it don't have to make up songs to keep themselves awake. I actually watch it. I don't know what that means. <laughs> well, in soccer, they have to do their little fucking singing. Oh, well, singy oh thing. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, and I'm sure, and yeah, and I'm sure that they're not fucking, uh, they're, you know, not kicking seven stages of shit out of each other outside the fucking <laughs> the theater either. But, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> those cunts with those binoculars and shit on a little stick. They're fucking those, vicious. Those fucking Bolshoi <laughs> ballet ultras. Fucking <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um. What else was I going to say? Oh yeah, uh, I got the notification today from the printer. The um, the New South Wales uh, 2021 Origin uh, couch shirts uh, shipped this afternoon. So I'll probably have them in my hands uh, tomorrow, maybe Friday at the latest. So if they arrive, uh, they should be in the post by Friday. So if you're waiting on those, uh, thank you. And uh, yeah, they'll be out to you very soon. Uh, which probably puts us in line with our next thing. So if you've got any, as we always do, if you've got any ideas for the for the next item of merch that you uh, have been waiting for and we haven't ever yet produced for you, now's the time. This is the golden time in between projects where uh, you can make yourself heard and uh, get particularly get my attention um, to in- inspire me to to make one of these things you keep asking you've been asking for for ages and I don't remember right now as we're speaking. Um, that's it. You fellas have anything else you want to wrap up with? No, I think I've uh, said all I need to say. Look forward to the Tigers bringing home the bacon on the weekend. <sighs> bringing home the bacon, getting slaughtered like fucking pigs. Is that pigs. what you mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, stepdad? Anything you want to close with? No, I've uh, I've had my fucking rage. So on that note, see you guys later. Later. See ya. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.